0: Hello and welcome to the Win Win Effect podcast with your host Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximise potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enrol prospective students into the correct programmes to achieve overall business success and fulfilment in life. You will get a rare centralised look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from, to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of information or material from companies just trying to sell products but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value, to make it worth your time.
1: In the previous episode of The Win-Win Effect, we discussed two beautiful skills, anchoring and framing, and why it's so important to master as a salesperson. One of the things I am most proud of is that over the last 15 years, I have put so much of my time into understanding how the human brain works. There is so much to cover with anchoring and framing, I put a lot of thought into how I would be able to deliver it accurately to all of the listeners. My team and I sat down, and here's what we decided to do. For today, I want to have you take some notes, like I've asked you previously before, and send us an email with any questions you may have at info at so my team can assist you. As you can see, with these methods focusing on when the buyer wins, everyone wins. You are understanding that when people buy with emotion and justify with logic. If you haven't listened to the previous episode where we discussed the opening of anchoring and framing and how to pre-frame, perhaps it may not make sense completely with listening to this episode. So I will ask you to listen to this episode and go back and listen to the previous episode where we discussed the intro and how to really pre-frame everything as a salesperson with the buyer wins. Before we start breaking all this down, I'm going to need a commitment from you, from all the listeners out there. I'm going to need you to promise me that what you're about to hear Most sales trainers don't usually go this much in detail for several reasons. Perhaps some don't have a deep understanding how the human brain works. If you can't promise that, then you are a sociopath and do not listen to this podcast. I do not want you to use some of these methods and techniques to manipulate people's minds. The reasons why these methods work so effectively is that I have the intention of the buyer always winning. I'm doing this for their benefit, not a salesperson's benefit. So do I have everyone's agreement? Yes, yes. All right. Who's ready for part two of anchoring and framing discussion with myself and Wes Bays? You are, that too. Let's dive in. You know who knows how to use this masterfully? Donald Trump. (laughs) Completely. (laughs) I was about to say that. Despite whatever you can say about him, you have to be able to appreciate the salesmanship. I'm obviously not trying to get into a political conversation, but he's probably the best salesperson in the art of anchoring and framing. If there's anything Trump that has made clear, that he has absolutely mastered the art of attracting attention. Much what he says is highly contentious. Contrary to how you may feel about him or you don't like his politics, he is not doing it to divide people or because he relishes making people dislike him. He is trying to challenge his audience. He delivers an uncomfortable message that requires many of his recipients to think about what he is saying. It turns out when people think things through, a decent percentage find a way of agreeing with him of his point of view. He is a genius at picking out the vulnerability of someone's personality. He can smell it, sense it, and trust it. So for example, pay very close attention when he goes to make a statement. He'll make a small statement and then ask an open-ended question from the audience. The audience is usually reporters. He picks out the vulnerability from their questions and is able to pre-frame it, reframing it, or my favorite, future pacing or future framing it for everyone to see his point of view. No matter what you think about his point of view, you're able to see the picture and he's able to paint the picture for everyone to understand. When I watch his interviews, I see it time and time again. He can see their weakness, and it's not a physical thing he can reach over and touch, but he can see your weakness and play into it. Not the nicest thing in the world, but it's a certain gift I've never seen anyone else be able to do in politics. That's exactly what he did in an election. I think he put his finger on what the weakness was, the vulnerability of people, and he knows how to touch it, and people go along for the ride. He's a phenomenal salesperson. I have to say, really, he could sell anything, but he did. The last time I checked, he's the president of the United States. No matter what you think about him, Wes, what's your input on this? Yeah. This guy's good at making
2: deals. This is what he does. Haven't worked a day in his life. And think about that. You know, think about that. Like the, the and this is for all the listeners, uh, go back to why we'll use some of the language that he uses. And I won't go too far into this, but the, why does he say huge all the time? I mentioned that a little bit. Why does he say huge all the time? You know, this is going to be huge, and this is going to be huge, and people started mocking it, right, and saying huge, 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 huge right, huge, but, yeah, right, <laughs> huge. And it's, uh, but why does he always say that? It's because when the association with the word huge is makes it makes people feel like Donald Trump is progress, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Donald Trump is positivity, right? He's he's looking out for them, right? It's going to be huge. It's not we're going to win. Right? Those are the associations, the positive associations with the word huge, and that's why he says it so much, and that's why he, he's constantly, constantly repeating it throughout his speeches and everything else that he does, is because he's going to make you feel a certain way about whatever it is that he's saying. So even if you might, if you might not agree with him with, about everything, if he's constantly using that word, then in your mind, especially if you don't have quite as large of an understanding uh, you know, as, about the topic that he's talking about, you're going to feel good about it. So, because if you think about it, it's not just a wall that's going to be huge, right? It's everything is going to be huge. Everything he uses
1: any any kind of opportunity he has to be able to intensify the situation, he's going to use a word like tremendous. You know, a tremendous amount of value, a tremendous amount of you know leadership, or a tremendous amount of what he'll use that word a lot, and it's just word association, and he's trying to get you to the point to where you're you're changing your view on a certain situation. You've seen a lot of people, and this goes back to the human brain. A lot of the people that he was debating with during the election, he had this guy that was coming in and leading with all these statistics. No one wants to hear that shit. It's boring. No,
2: they don't even understand. No one
1: wants to hear that. They don't understand it. Well, We have 15% of this or 10% of this and then 75% of of the, you know, this and funds and and allocated budget. and, And he didn't give a shit. He went in and he just, he ignored them. Yeah. You can do it in an argument. I can frame an argument pretty quickly. Wes, stop cutting me off. Yeah. You're always cutting me off. Stop cutting me off. What I'm doing right there is I framed you. I put you in a situation or a binding situation where you can't do anything unless you remove the frame. Because I'm making a statement, but that statement, it could be positive. It could be negative. It could be anything. But I'm talking about something that where I'm provoking you and I'm baiting you. And that's that binding situation. He uses a lot of those. Yeah. But the point we're trying to make, and I hope all the listeners are following along, you're never going to hear a great salesperson say this. I know it's a lot to ask, but. I don't like to say a lot of buts. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't use the word but. But, because that takes away from the
2: conversation. Yeah. You can frame that completely differently. Right? If, if say, you do want to say that statement, you can frame that completely differently to where it makes even more sense. So I know it's a lot to ask, mm-hmm. That's why I'm going to act like Donald Trump for a second. That's why it's going to be huge. (laughs) Huge. Exactly. Completely different. That's
1: why a lot of my students get a tremendous amount of value from our programs. Do you see? It's you're taking that statement and you're going to intensify it. And it's you're going to remove the frame around what's going to make them feel a certain way. That's the final point about the anchoring piece is that you need to resist the temptation to negotiate against yourself. At all times, just resist the temptation because you're going to get baited into it. A lot of times when people ask me a direct question, Wes, and I'm trying to change the report or move the frame or changing their state, I might pause for a minute. Or they might say a wrong answer, I'll pause. Is that the best answer you can come up with? So remember how I taught you to X, Y, Z. If you're using that method and you're using that type of mindset. Do you? Would you get a different outcome? Would you believe that's going to get you to end result? I'm using these as statements, but I'm asking a question with that statement. I'm removing everything from it. I'm going to make. If you ever, if you ever get a call from me, ladies and gentlemen, good luck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everything. Now that you're probably thinking this, and there's probably clients that you know that you know, or inside my systems, inside my programs, but I'm doing this for the greater good of humans. And I want to make sure that I'm instilling a win-win effect inside of every situation I come in contact with. I want you to win. I want you I want you to be able to go to my programs and go and get, you know, as, as enough knowledge and enough things that you need to be able to implement into your system to do better at me in entrepreneurship. But good luck, man, because I work hard on myself. I work hard on everything I do, but resist the temptation to fall into status quo. I'm not going to live my life that way, Wes. I refuse. I'm just not going to. I mean, do you have similar views with that piece?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Again, it goes back to standards, right? And the standards actually has a lot to, to do with it all because you falling into those traps, that usually is a reflection of your standards. Because if your standard is high then you won't allow yourself to right right if your standards are high then you will control the situation and you if your standards are high you will be confident right? because you have a true ownership or a true belief a very strong conviction that what you do is valuable what you do is great right and you are also great at what you do so raise your standards and yeah don't don't fall into the traps Mm -hmm. Especially don't fall into the traps of limiting beliefs.
1: Whoever controls framing controls the sale. Remember this, write that down. So what is framing again? It's to gain control. To be a master closer, you need to understand both sides of the buyer-seller relationship. And I hope everyone's grasping what we're trying to communicate here. So imagine you're sitting or standing across from a prospect. Framing means their narrative of what's happening. That's all you need to remember. You're painting a picture for them, for them to see things from what you're saying. Especially if you're doing phone sales, that's hard for people. If you don't know how to frame and you're doing phone sales, you probably work at Vilo or one of those grocery stores now. It's, <laughs> it, 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 you need to learn, motherfucker. You know what I mean? P- pick up a book. And you don't need to have the talent to be able to be successful in sales. You just need to learn what's going to be best for you to be able to break through people's bullshit and to get your point of point of view across. It's different for every person, but it's all well, it's it's all about how you paint that picture. I want them to make sure that they know exactly what's going to happen. Chris said, Chris mentioned that, you know, when I feel this way, he talked about that. Oh, it's okay. I know I'm going to bring it up with him later. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm jumping out front of so many objections. We talked about this a lot. People don't bring it to me because I'm jumping and framing everything. It's exhausting, but it's effort. It goes into how much I care about the buyer's perspective. It's how much I care about their life. I, Wes, I me learning all these things and working on myself, It doesn't. I don't need to own a consulting agency, but I get fulfillment from it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I do it for a reason. I do it because I want to help change people's lives. That's my standard. Yeah, that's my so that's my standard in life. I want to. I, I do it because I'm trying to serve people and help people. Not fall into this bullshit. You can go online. You need to have to search hard, man. It's always these gurus and all these people that don't know how to fucking tie their shoes, man. They don't. They don't. I met them. You know what I mean? That's what drove me to tap into the resources and go into accreditation boards and talk to these education people and say, how can I get my programs nationally accredited? That's for protection. That's going to remove... I'm setting the stage right there and framing that they can we can be trusted as a company. I'm trying to do something different than no one else has done before because that's why I work as hard as I do. I'm trying to create a life that my kids can be proud of me. Not just the people around me, That's a whole different way of looking at life in general. But you see how this ties back into
2: everything I fucking do though, Wes? Yeah. I mean, essentially, you also framed your life, right? You said, this is the life that I want and I won't accept anything less, right? So you automatically are raising your standard because it fits in with the frame that you have set up for yourself. Create. Don't compete.
1: Create. Blue Ocean Strategies. Read a book. goes back to that as well. Blue Ocean Strategies taught me a lot. And that was one of the greatest books that I've ever, it's probably maybe I would say top three for myself in business, is that he talks about not falling into what everyone's telling you to do. So, say for instance, you're a new salesperson. So, if you're listening up to this, if you're a new salesperson and you're trying, you're listening for this podcast because you want to learn something new and you want to, you know, do things in life that you never expect. But say for instance, your sales team is, not up to par. They're not really helping you. And they're everybody wants to have fun and, and then fuck off somewhere. I've been in that situation before. And I feel you. It's got to be upsetting to work with people that, that really don't want a future. It's upsetting because I've always wanted a bigger things in life. And I've, you know, sometimes I had to work twice as hard to get where I'm at, I feel, but it's part of the journey. Here's what I would propose for you to write down some things on how you can improve Because energy is infectious. Because once you find out the methods and and ways that you can improve, you're going to be able to start speaking through your results. If that makes sense, like people don't have to like me, Wes, but they do respect my numbers. They respect the the hard work. But when you're leading by and letting your results speak for himself, I don't need to do this for my sales team to understand that I'm I'm better than they are. They can read my name on top of that leaderboard. They know what my name is. Don't act don't like you don't know me because it's I'm doing something you're not doing. It's lack of effort. I put myself into it because this comes from my competitive advantage. I watched my sister breathe through tubes, man. You know what I mean? To be able to fight to live, Wes. To fight to live. And you're going to tell me that you can't learn something new? Get All the fuck right. out of here. All you know right. what I mean? <laughs> like That comes from something personal. But it drives me. I learned how to take a traumatic experience in my life and let it drive me. God doesn't put you through situations in life. And I'm not trying to get spiritual here. God doesn't put you in situations that he doesn't believe that you can overcome. It's there for a point. It's there for a lesson. Right. Make it, I'll, never, I'll make another point. My, my, my mom had eight back surgeries. Eight. And I watched her suffer for years. My year into being married, my wife hurt her back and had to have back surgery. Do you think that he was preparing me for that? Absolutely. And you tell me that life doesn't make fucking sense. There's a purpose for everything you do in life. Like God gave you or you are blessed with some type of level of talent. It's your job to find out what that is. It gives you clues. Success clues. You hear me say that a lot. It leaves clues. Discover more about yourself. Put in the effort. But you would rather go home and watch Real Housewives of dog shit and Netflix like freaking things forever. And you don't want to spend time on yourself. I am and Wes and I had this conversation and Wes probably like, we had this conversation yesterday. It's talk about sports. I used to love sports. I still do, but I don't watch it like I used to because I know that they don't give a shit anyway. You know what I mean? If I watch it or not, do you see right. what I'm saying? Like I <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. It just I don't want to go in a tangent here and lo- get off track. But it comes from I'm using all the things that I learned in life, but I had to make a decision. So all these decisions led to a huge choice, and that choice is my standard. Here's my standard. Here's and now how do I create the life that I want? I tell that, I tell that to customers all the time. Well, how can you help me create that type of experience for you? Huge question. Like, it it changes it changes the dynamic of that call completely. A lot of the salespeople that I'm training these companies, well, I'm training the companies, and they're, they're talking to me, and I, they send a lot of calls to the directors and whatnot. So once a week, I go in there, and you know the clips you see on social media, they chop them, and they take it from the trainings that I do with these these directors. They're all sitting there around these, like wearing suits and all this shit. What motivates me, and sometimes I wear a flat bill hat just because I can. And what motivates me is because I get motivated based off of how much results they're getting for their company. That gives me more motivation. Do you see what I'm saying? Like That fuels me to watch I'm changing so many people's lives and, I'm, and not just touching their lives and training their sales team and helping them grow their companies to make more revenue, and have more satisfaction ratios and success rates and keeping their accreditations. No, no, no. Think about the lives that are affected in a good way from the salespeople calling them for my methods that I'm trying to teach them. That's what I think about.
2: Yeah. I was reaching millions. I mean, you're you're through helping a set group of people, you're helping millions of people.
1: Every day I wake up and try to think of something and, and try to, I try to exhaust myself in that 15 minutes about all the things that I'm grateful for. And I know all of you out there are probably listening to this and going, this sounds, you know, redundant. It, it's, it's over. I hear it a lot. I mean, but it's different when you're hearing it coming when you have so much passion into it. Like, I don't want to get emotional on this podcast, but this is, I'm talking about my life. When I meet someone new, or I meet someone in business, I look for that as a lifelong friend relationship, and I try to treat it that way, because I never know what this future is going to bring me. Like, what if you know something really traumatic happened in my life? And that's another thing I'll look back at. You know, some of the content and all the trainings and recordings that I do, Wes. That could be another way for you know my future kids, you know my wife, or or it could be somebody that I helped over the years. You know, it could be another way for them to, I don't know, I don't want to get weird on a call, but it could be another way for them to, you know, still live life through me. You know what I mean? And keep my spirit alive. Absolutely. You know, it's its all about how, it's, it's all about how the world is, but when you leave it. Well, let's let's scale it back to, you know, being a salesperson. Okay. If you're a salesperson and your job is to be able to sell a product or service, do you believe in what you're selling? Because if people believe in what they're selling and have a strong conviction about it helps people's lives, you can sell it because you're going to be really passionate about it. But if you don't, you need to reevaluate what you're selling. And if you don't like what you're selling, you don't believe in it, you can send us an email and I'll hire you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll train you. I'll, I'll, you know, go through my system. I'll have, I'll have, you know, my directors and whatnot go through and train you and go through some videos and, and hopefully, you know, you can discover some new things about yourself if you don't believe in what you're selling, because there's a lot of dog shit out there, Wes, especially on the internet, tons, dog shit, nothing worth a substance. I mean, you'll learn some things about yourself and you'll learn some things and some tools and some skills, but here's the thing about internet, especially internet marketing, things and are involving and things are changing at all times. So the stuff that you learned, you know, five years ago is no longer, (laughs) it's no longer effective in the marketplace. It, Google's always changing their algorithms and you have you know Facebook changing the likes right now we talked about the, the other day they were taking the likes off the what is it the the pictures and whatnot in their post they're taking the likes off where you can't view who likes it for a lot of reasons engagement they're enti- they're getting engagement so they can go into sell ads more <laughs> you know it means sell their ads for more it's it's not that hard to figure out if you're knowing if you're able to identify framing right is a buyer. If you learn how to do this and you're in, you're a great salesperson, start paying attention on your sales team and start paying attention to everything you do. Everything you do in life is all about anchoring and framing. If you had to make a really important phone call, you're going to set the stage for that phone call, aren't you? If you have to do something, go to church. I mean, you're going to get dressed in a certain amount of clothes, right? You're framing. It's the expectation of what's going to happen. I'm just using examples here. That happens in all walks of life. I'm not gonna go to a baseball game wearing a suit, Wes. Right. I like wearing suits though. But I'm not gonna go to a baseball game wearing suits.
2: Right. Unless, for example, say it's a like a high level event or something like that, and they're they're you know inviting you to the suite, then maybe you will. But again again, that's framed.
1: And I'm gonna dress that down. I'm gonna wear a button, you know, I'll wear a button down with a blazer. Right. It's all about being able to understand. What your expectations are and what your standards are, and in going back into anchoring and framing, you need to understand that with that rapport level, everything you need to understand is all about how it's being received. So, what is rapport? It's relationship or responsiveness. That's all it is. I mean, everyone listening, you know, you need to understand is just that when you're. I need to establish rapport, build on my rapport. But thats you don't just do that on a first call. I do it on every call, as through the whole call, like all the way through the whole call, I'm building rapport. Everything I'm doing is all about developing a high level of connection with them. Rapport is created by a feeling of commonality. Be careful here, because I've heard a lot of people use this unethically, and they were NLP trained. You know what NLP is? You ever heard this? Yeah,
2: the, the new linguistic it's, training.
1: Yeah, programming. Programming. Yeah, I've met some of the worst salespeople in my life that are NLP trained. I don't really like them on a the sales team because they think they're smarter than everybody else. Sometimes, and they use it unethically, like trying to tap into people's emotions and 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 manipulate people. It's wrong. I mean, it's based on you need to understand it's based on emotions, how you frame it in your own mind. So if you have bad intentions or poor, or, you know, bad, you're hoping for you know, one-sided results, then that's the outcome you're going to get. But if you're focusing on the win-win side and you're wanting everybody to win, then clients are going to come to you and understand and trust that the fact that you're always going to do what's best for them at all times. This is how I'm able to do it at a very high level because it's based off of, I'm understanding that I'm going to frame it in a certain way to improve their emotions. Could be, think of an, about an expression, frame of mind. You know, stand up comedy, another thing's the why. I love stand up comedy. You ever watch a really good comedian and does a huge, a lot of loopbacks and and knows how to express their emotions well? Oh. Have you ever seen a great comedian do this? Yeah, they're the funniest usually. Always. David Chappelle, um, he's got a new Netflix. I did it with a, with, a, with our sales team. I called them because it inspired me to be able to show them how well it's done and how easy it's done in looping back from a point of view. And you're setting the stage and framing. Changing the audience viewpoints and watching someone do it on a particular subject, if the audience is not engaging, they'll loop it back, keep reframing it. From that point, they felt the audience was engaged, hoping to bring back the same emotion every single time, man. They do this a lot. I mean, you got to realize... But here's a here's a little tip for you, and here's an assignment. I want you to think about someone really successful, and I want you to study about them and how well they frame and anchor everything they do. I haven't met anyone successful that doesn't know how to frame, but I've I haven't met that many salespeople that know how to frame. That's funny, isn't it?
2: Because it's not about sales; it's about persuasion. Right? I mean that's this is, it what, is that's what it's all about. So if you have a successful person, you can bet they know how to do this cuz they didn't get to where they are by not knowing how to persuade. Exactly.
1: Daniel H Pink to sell as human, understand sales is what drives this world. Everything. You know, problem, you know, understanding, being aware of a problem, being aware of a solution. People search for these things in life. This helps you frame a bridge. A bridge to do what? Do something else. Get to where you got to go. That's what a bridge is. I mean, you can look at the the icon for or the look for the the logo for my business, Wes. You have two bridges. Yeah, first bridge, it's London Bridge because I live in London. My wife, you know, I love my wife, right? So have London Bridge. We live right next to Tower Bridge. Then you have the other bridge, if you pay attention to it, it's the bridge in Charleston, South Carolina when you're driving up. But what does that bridge... What do those two bridges represent for me, do you think, Wes? Going from where you came to where you want to go. And where I want to go. But what is it also representing for clients? Going from where they are to where they want to go. Exactly. Do you see how that ties all the way back into my core values? Absolutely. Deep message. And by the way, if my wife's listening to this, I know that you designed it. She designed that logo. <laughs> she drew it out on a piece of paper. She's very artistic. She can. She drew it on a piece of paper. I'm sure she has it somewhere. She drew it on a piece of paper. Same with the logo for the Win Win Effect. She drew that because you know why. That's why I love the logo so much because it come from my wife. And that, you know where it comes from also is her asking me open ended questions, <laughs> and framing how she wants to present the logo. Everything we do because it now it's more meaningful to me. Right. Wes. It means something to me. I'm proud of it because it has a deeper meaning. What's the percentage of communication done by words, do you think? Like one to five, ten to twenty? Say so between ten to twenty. Ten to twenty. I think it's around like yeah, it gotta be close. It might it might be even lower, probably around like eight to eight to ten. You know what I mean? I read something somewhere, it had like over ninety percent of skills. People leave on a table, like matching and mirroring. Like Dr. Erickson is the one first person that you know brought this to humans. Is and I believe he was a genius. Tony Robbins studied a lot of his stuff, so you hear probably hear a lot of Dr. Erickson's uh, messages in Tony Robbins' things because it works. What helps Tony Robbins be so successful, Wes, is that he generally wants everyone to win. Do you see my point? Yeah.
2: Intention's everything.
1: Everything. I mean, everyone needs to identify that everyone has a conscious mind or a subconscious mind. You know what I mean? Like you gotta like I say subconscious is very powerful. You can influence your subconscious mind to make you do something, or do or have someone do anything they will ever want to do. People like people who are like themselves, or who they like, who they want to be, who they look up to. Style is more important than substance initially. Would you agree? I would. Like the tone of voice, like tempo of voice, volume of voice. You know what I mean? Like how loud, like it means a loud talking motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like I always get that. But see me being a loud talking, you know, son of a gun. Wes, if I called you and you were very monotone, I'm going to lower my voice.
2: Cause that's, what's going to make me feel comfortable. Right? That's what's going to make, right. that's, what's going to make me relate to you a lot more.
1: Mm-hmm. People when I get a lot of this, maybe cause I moved away when I was 17 years old and went to the military and whatnot. And then after that moved around, moved around in career and whatnot. Um, I get a lot of people tell me and say, "You don't sound like you're from the South." And I'm like, "I, I say some things, and I got a little draw to it. My wife can identify, it, but I get when I get around people that I grew up with, or I get around my home and my mom and my dad, or my my sister and my family, I start talking a little bit more with a draw, I'm matching, right? And I'm mirroring, but it's because I'm getting into the point to where it's 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 a commonality, isn't it? Right, people do it without even thinking about it. So if I call someone, and the reason why I get dealt, I get a lot of that because they say that you talk so fast. People down there talk slow usually with a draw, you know, and talk a little slower. But you can intimidate someone if you're calling and you're calling with so much energy and you don't know how to transfer it positively or transfer it properly. You can really affect the buyer's emotional state completely. So if I called you, Wes said, "Wes, how's it going, man?"
2: Like whoa, too much energy, too much coffee. <laughs> it's way
1: too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, man, I had a little bit of coffee. Bit, bit. Am I inter- are you understanding me? <laughs> no, I I will call and I'll use my tonality to say, Wes, how's it going? Provoking you to talk to me, right? right? A, how's it going? Right,
2: and then if I was like, good, Chris, how are you? And then I'm I'm
1: okay. <laughs> I'm raising my voice. You see, I'm using using the decimal levels. Right. I'm raising my voice. Pitch is everything. Mirroring words. Like I mentioned, Wes does this a lot. A lot. If you can listen to some of the probably previous episodes, he does it without even thinking about it. He'll pick out something that I said and then recap and loop it back and bring back that bring back that emotion from that word. And he wants to let me know that he heard me. Well, he he was listening to me. I would say he's great at it. Pay attention. A lot of great people and and they understand the power of words. They know how to do things for the greater good by instilling their own standards or having the standards, having the other person raise their standards and get to their level. It's such a huge piece of I don't know, I I would even call it just, you know, adopting abundance, Wes. It's a huge
2: piece. Yeah. I mean, if if you truly believe in abundance then you feel like everyone can win. That explains, of course, the the win-win effect, right? I mean, what is the win-win effect? It's believing in abundance, right? It's playing the game, and the only competitor you have is yourself, right? And you're playing Mm -hmm. the game because you don't just want to win. You want everybody around you to win, right? And so that's why for me, and talking about standards, and that's why people around me automatically lift up their standards, because... And I don't mm-hmm. even have to say this. They know that they won't be around me if they don't lift up their standards, right? Because exact Pro- process of elimination. Right? Exactly because I I won't accept anything less, right? And that's that's a very important piece, right? You can have conviction, you know. You can you can truly be passionate about something, but what are you actually willing to accept, right? And that's what makes the difference right. between good and great.
1: I hope everyone's paying very close attention. And if you understand the science and how the brain, human brain works and how to use these techniques and in developing a skill set, you'll be able to communicate and have a better life, personal life. There's things that I've learned in sales and me working on myself enough that I've improved my quality of life. You think I would have the wife that I have if I didn't raise my standards? No, because she has her standards. It's all about making. Making you feel good about whatever you're doing. And if you can make someone feel good, you can make them do anything. But you have to do it by pacing and leading. And that's where we can go also as well. Is that when you're future pacing and then leading them to an end result that you're searching for, an outcome for them, it's going to help them feel like they can achieve it by their breathing. When I'm upset, I try to, my wife's a calm person, Wes. When I'm my I, I focus on my breathing, focus on people's breathing. But if I'm upset, anyone's upset, we're gonna breathe faster, right? You can hear it through a phone. But if I'm upset, I would want to go and and sit next to my wife because she's usually calm, more calmer than I am, calmer person. People always search for a deeper level of connection. You'll instantly go right into the same heartbeat. Your bodies do it without even thinking about it. That's why, um, and I'm not going to get like a relationship type of guru speech or anything. That's why sex is important for your relationship. That helps people connect on a deeper level. It wants them to feel whole like they are one unit. So when people have stopped having sex is a good indication that they're not happy in their relationship or feeling connected with the person. Does that make sense, Wes? It makes a lot of sense. Like proximity. Like everyone has a certain amount of space. I learned this in England. That <laughs> makes them feel comfortable. Like I mentioned before, like London, it's like a lot of these people they call it queuing, queuing up. We call it lining up, right? Standing in line. so if you if I st- you stand somewhere long enough, man, someone will come stand behind you in England, I promise you this, <laughs> because they're so used to, you know, getting in line somewhere, especially at a train station. They call it a tube. But I've learned a lot about my personal space. <laughs> you know here because it's you don't really get a lot of personal space. I don't like people walking behind me at all times, especially making sharp movements. That's one way to get chopped in the throat. <laughs> All right. But I just, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. It just makes me feel a certain way. I feel uncomfortable. It makes me not want to be outside now. Who, you know, who listening to this freaks out when someone gets real too close to you? You know, I mean, you have to understand how that happens. I mean, understanding the proximity of how close you get with your questions when you're on a phone call. Right. Like, ooh, that hit too low. That hits too deep. There's certain things that I will will expose on a call and and not go there because I'm not trying to get them to go to that emotion.
2: Right. But if you need to, then you frame it first. Right. So the same Mm -hmm. thing as being outside. If you're by a train station, if somebody's right behind you, you're going to feel a certain way. If they came up to you and told you, hey, there's not a lot of room here. Are you okay if I'm a little bit closer to you? You know, are you going to feel uncomfortable? Maybe now you're not as guarded. Right. Right, because they came and they at least frame the fact that they're going to be there, right? And made you feel comfortable about it. Same way in sales, if you're gonna go into a deep topic or something that they potentially could feel like is too close of a proximity, right? Or something mm-hmm. that's too close to their, you know, their comfort zone, mm-hmm. then you need to frame it first to take away the barriers and the unknown so that they feel like it's okay to proceed. Right.
1: Have you ever been to a restaurant and pay attention to the person sitting across from you or, or near you and you start grabbing like a glass the same time they do, they'll, they'll, they'll get their attention. Have you ever done something something like that or match whatever they're doing or mirror whatever they're doing yeah. by an action?
2: Yeah it's, a level of, yeah, it's a level of connecting and rapport.
1: Like people do it without even thinking about like facial expressions, eye contact. Be careful. Mirror what they're com- comfortable with. Don't freak people out. Don't be staring people down. Just like when you ever see someone walk in a room and they have just like a really like peaked expression on their face, like excited. And then when they walk in a room and you're gonna match it, you don't even realize you're doing it. People have a way of being able to adapt to every situation. So that's why when I see people that are completely out of rapport or trying to jam product down someone's throat, being too pushy, you know, trying to sell, sales is easy. Understanding it and training is difficult. But if you're able to do it, you'll change your life. That's why I believe understanding and people having a deeper level connection could potentially change the way that people do business forever, especially in in sales. You know, is sales is a heartbeat of your company. Whoever is if their energy's high and their morale's great and the culture's there, you're gonna have a banging business. <laughs> you just got to build the right program. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: It's right. It's that simple. It's crazy because, it, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you think about it, if you just if if salespeople who don't understand this even focused on it a little bit or implemented it a little bit, they would see a complete change in in their volume and in the sales that they're making, and in their experience as a salesperson. Right. It's you. You don't get to mastery like everything we're talking about here. You don't just get there overnight just because you just heard us talking about it. Right. You start to try it you kind of suck at it. You talk to a bunch of people, you get rejected from it, right? But then you talk to some people and it works, maybe because the resistance isn't as high to begin with. And you feel comfortable there. And then you challenge yourself a bit more, right? And then you start understanding a little bit more about what you're doing. And that's the progression. Sales is, sales skills and, and raising your sales skills is a, prog- is a progression, right? And so everything you're hearing, you need to implement. And you need to implement and understand that it's not going to go exactly how we're telling you it's going to go right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it's at first, it's probably going to suck a little bit, but but you're going to get better and better and better. And that's how you become great.
1: Making people feel comfortable and in repetition is a true skill. And what Wes is talking about, you, you don't, you're not going to know how good you are at something until you try it. And life is all about, you know, figuring out what your purpose is, whatever you're talented in. Great. But it, do you enjoy doing it? Whatever makes you happy, like I enjoy sales. That's what helps me make me good at what I do because I fucking love it. I love everything about it. But it's my standards helps me understand that how much energy should I put into it, because I see firsthand and it's instantaneous the results. I see firsthand from the experiences that I'm able to provide and. For the value that I'm bringing for students, or being bringing for employees, or I'm bringing for companies, and the people that I'm making an impact in people's lives, that gives me so much motivation. Like, I, it just motivates me to get back on it. Like, all right, I gotta build something else. I gotta, I gotta step it up. I gotta bring more value. I gotta bring more of this. I'm so freaking critical of myself. You hear it, Wes? Sometimes, like, I'll give you a call and be like, "This guy's probably nuts." I'm driven by my passion. Like another thing that you can use as a salesperson, if you suck at sales, just start using your senses first. I gave that piece of advice to someone that really hated sales. And they actually started getting their mind impressionable to adopting different approaches because they're starting to use their senses. And they're like, oh yeah, I kind of like it though. And now that I see what was going on, touch is another one. If I went behind you, Wes, and touched your back, and you didn't know I was there, would I startle you? Of course. Of course. It's personal space. is another one, right? Proximity. But if I touched you, I don't let nobody touch me. Like if you ever taught to, go to an event and people, hand gestures, they'll move their hands in a certain way. Another person will move their hand. They're having a one-on-one conversation. Pay close attention to these things. These sales taxes are easy to easy to identify if you know what you're looking for. Easily. And that's what makes it difficult for me going out with my wife and people trying to sell me. Like I almost not want to buy from you. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, I can't, I can't. It's against my like religion. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to buy from you right now. Like you fucking suck at what you do, man. It's awful. It turns me off. Like people how people shake my hand. You know, you have the fish handshake when they're not really that confident. Right. It's the what does that say?
2: Big picture. They don't know what they're doing. Like uh, I'm a little nervous,
1: clam, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that their hands are clammy or whatnot, but I'm talking about the the strength of the handshake. You don't need to break my hand or anything. I get this a lot um here in England. I'll shake people's hands and they're like, ah, come on, man, I'm like I'm not trying to break your hand anything, but I'm gonna give you a nice firm handshake because I'm letting you know I mean to I'm serious and I mean to do business right this is what I this is what I do. I'm a serious individual. That's how I carry myself. It's not that I walk around trying to beat my chest in Napoleon complex or something. No, it's not. It's just I walk, com- I'm, I'm confident in what I do and who I am as a person. Right. I'm just confident. Right. I'm not cocky. I'm just confident. Yeah. You know, it's a difference. And understanding that difference is a key, uh, it's a key way for you to understand how to separate yourself from people that you're trying to compete with, in my opinion.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, ultimately raising your standard is raising your expectation. Right, that's why you can't stand being sold to by a shitty salesperson, oh. right? because <laughs> it it just doesn't it doesn't work. I truly enjoy being sold to, right? I want you to sell me, right? And if you know what you're doing, even if I don't need what you're what you're selling, I will still buy it because I enjoy being sold to, right? Because I, I and we talked about this the other day. We are, we love greatness, we love talent, right? And when we see it, and when we see people who are work hard at their craft, we enjoy watching them or being involved. Right. So it's, it's the same thing. You raise your standard. That means you raise your expectation. If you do that as a salesperson, you're not only raising your expectation, but you're raising your expectation from the client as well. Right, right. That's a, that's a good point. People buy with emotion and
1: justify with logic every time. I don't give a shit. Everyone has the same brain. We all have the same freaking functions that everybody else has. I'll prove it to you. I'm going to say something, and I want you to give me an honest response, Wes. Would you rather have a 10% chance of failing or a 90% chance of passing? 10% chance of failing. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> See what I'm saying?
2: Uh,
1: yeah. What did I do there?
2: Well, you actually, you asked, uh, you asked the same question, but based off of my response, I know I answered it you know, in a funny way. Right, but right, right. Yeah, yeah. Based on my response, you can tell oh, the way my mind works, mm-hmm. right? Because if I want a 90% chance of passing then i'm am I'm a more positive thinker okay right and so i'm i'm a more i'm more of an opportunist but if i want a 10% chance of failing you know i only want 10% of chance of failing that means i'm risk averse right that means i'm a little <laughs> bit more fearful right so now i identified your fear yeah you
1: tell me i don't know my shit and it's not about and i'm not trying to sound a certain way but that's what people see and that's what i identify with people that know their shit i like this guy like I like this woman. Yeah. They know their shit. Confidence overrides everything and mistakes that you could make in a situation. I've made so many mistakes during my career. I'm not great at what I do. It's just that I'm I'm dedicated to do anything in my power to make sure that I'm going to improve every day. It's a lot of things that I say in, in a lot of trainings, like I don't say it because it sounds great. I say it because I live that shit. I am dedicated every day to become 1% better. Every day. If everyone did that and was dedicated to become 1% better every day, this world would be a different place. That's 365% growth in a year. That's what I'm addicted to. I don't give a shit about money. It's not about making money or creating opportunities. I'm, I'm so freaking addicted to growth. Yep. I'm just, it drives me to do crazy things. Pain associated with loss is twice greater than pleasure associating we gain. We all dislike losing. That's one thing I don't like is losing. And the worst thing to that is beating yourself. And a lot of you out there are beating yourself. You have three sections to your brain. Everyone Everyone has the same structured brain. You have an outer layer, the middle layer, and then the reptilian brain, the part of your brain that controls actually your fight or flight. Is this scary? Is it not scary? Should I do this? Danger, danger, danger. But understanding these three sections of your brain is important. The youngest part of your brain is the outer layer. It's responsible for such things as processing, written language, understanding information, complex thinking, calculating, and rationalizing your own decisions. As a salesperson, me saying that to you, Wes, why do you think that I took the time to try to study the science behind the human brain?
2: Because you understand that's how you're going to be able to influence and persuade, right? Those, those are the things that you need to know. Right, so when we're talking about anchoring and framing and all of those things, it's because we have an understanding of what it does right right to the psyche or what it does to the mind right So you that you doing that is you you know chasing after that mastery level right in and, and that growth right So it's, it's important. It's actually really important as a salesperson to understand how the mind works.
1: The middle section, the limit brain, that's the part of the brain processes emotional responses gives you a gut feeling when a decision. Um Simon Sinek wrote a book that I really enjoy to start with Why. He talks a lot about this. When you when I asked you that question, would you rather have a 10% chance of failing or a 90% chance of passing? I identified two things. I noticed the way that you answered that question, you said a 10% chance of failing. Of course you entertained it for a minute. 10% when you said 10% chance of failing, I identified you fear pain. And that's failing. That's that's where, that's one of the biggest catalysts for you. And me knowing you personally, I know this about you. And I would answer it the same way. I'm not going to answer it 90 percent in passing because I can give a fuck. But I don't want to fail. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right. I don't. When I set goals, I don't set. I set goals that are attainable. I don't want to set a goal. That's what's so hard about goals for me. Is it? What's your goal? I don't know. I have different tasks. Those are. I don't. I don't really view those as a goal. Do you see what I'm I don't know.
2: Does that make sense or is it too deep? No, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, but it really only makes sense if you truly are someone who is uh, completely committed to developing themselves and growing and becoming better and mastering. Right. So I understand it because I know that we kind of work in the same wavelength there. But yeah, it's, it's it, once when you start, here's the thing is when you start framing your life. Right, and no pun intended. But when you start truly framing your life and what you want to be in raising your standard, the way that you think and the way that you approach things starts to change. Right, right. And the way that you view things, right, because it can start off with a money goal, right. It can start off with a sales goal. It can start off with whatever. But your your value system and your belief system changes over time as you achieve certain things, and what your mind is impressionable to changes as well. Uh, because you're experiencing new things and, and you're realizing more about yourself. So that's that's really what I'd have to say about that.
1: So if I was going to be able to like have a conversation with you personally, because I understand and identified your fear of failing drives you, and that's one thing you're trying to avoid at all times and me understanding that, how can I speak to that part of your brain that will actually help you want to do something of my advice or maybe a recommendation or how can i persuade you to do something
2: you probably never thought you would a lot of that's going to come with urgency mm. right so it's putting the urgency around my feelings right and the and the potential um the potential outcome or the the potential i guess negatives for me personally the potential negatives of what happens if i don't do something mm-hmm. right and so helping me identify those and then me prioritizing that is what's going to drive me to do more, right? So because, and I know you identified, well, obviously we've known each other for a while, but that, that is one of my things, right? I am more, um, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that does fear failure, right? I embrace business. I embrace entrepreneurship. I embrace failure, but that doesn't mean I don't fear it, mm-hmm. right? And so when it comes back to me personally, so it's, for me, it's identifying and I know this is a little bit long-winded, but I want to make sure I, I, you know, said this correctly. It's connecting the negativity mm-hmm. to the things that I associate the negativity harming the most, right? And once, if you can make that connection, and for me, that's that comes back to my family, and you know, especially my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, if you connect it for me back to that, that's what's going to drive me the most, right? Right. So when it comes to your buyer that you gotta make you gotta find that connection point because not every negative like not every negative or every you know fear is going to drive me. Right? It's only the things that I truly care about the most that and this is very important that I can't lose. Mm. You
1: notice how he said that I hope you paid attention. I can't lose the way he said it had a strong level of conviction. You gotta pay attention to what the other person is saying and how they're saying it and what the what the volume is tempo is a bit another thing you can pick off but the volume and how someone says it with conviction i can't lose i don't want to lose but if you quote to me and says i can't lose i won't lose i will not lose i refuse that means you care about it similar we we obviously have similar views it takes a lot of energy to run your brain. I want everyone to understand this. But it's just 2% of your body mass. But it burns 20% of your energy using your brain. You're going to need time to be able to grasp the right amount of information. And that comes with just using your senses. So how can you reserve that energy or conserve the energy of your brain? Only focus on positive things. (laughs) It's not that hard. You're taking... I don't don't like to watch a lot of negative shit. I, I like comedy and I watch comedy. I don't really watch a lot of the things where it's just stupid, but sometimes in my life I need a, like, a, like a break of you know trying to take in so much information. I know my my use my senses when I know when my mind's tired. I mean, do you have something like that? What What do you usually do when your mind's tired? And you feel that your energy level is low?
2: Yeah, for for me it's. Um... You know, I'm not the kind of person that likes like mindless entertainment. I, I like it once in a while, but I don't chase after it, right, right. And I know that you're very much similar to that as well, Chris. And so for me, it's about you know, putting myself in a position and reminding myself of why, right and and doing things that remind me of that. Mm-hmm. And so because that's where, again, you know, going back to the topic of my fear of failure or fear of the things that I potentially will lose. They take over on my priority list than my feeling. Right. Right. Or how I'm feeling at, at that point. So it's it's what am I prioritizing? And I see this happening with people a lot, unfortunately, where they get so sucked in to the bullshit that they say to themselves and they put themselves in an environment that justifies the way they feel. And that's where that victim mentality also comes from, that it ruins them. Right. right? So for me, I know my triggers. Right. I can't stand slow music. Right? I can't stand whining music, right <laughs> all those things I had negative associations with, right whether it was traumatic experiences or things that negative things that that I went through that maybe I associate them with that mm-hmm. can't stand them. so it's like don't even put them in front of me, right I'll just shut my ears off or I'll walk away. right so when i'm when I'm starting to feel that way, i'm gonna I'm gonna put on the music that pumps me up, right that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, going back to feeling, it makes me feel good. Because then when I feel good, now I'm going to act good. Chances are less for you failing. Right, exactly. And so, and some people pick up negative habits, right? That try to, they try to make themselves feel good. Like, especially that's where a lot of eating habits come from, Mm -hmm. right? As you're trying to, you know, fill in the void of something, you know, usually. And so, but you don't want to do that to yourself either, right? Give yourself positive reinforcements or positive things, right? That pick you up and make you feel good but are also in alignment with your goals and what you're trying to do overall, right? So it's not like I'm stressed out, I'm going to pick up a cigarette and smoke it, right? Because it gives me that temporary relief, right? It's, that, that's the negative, right? But maybe I put on a song or maybe I start reading a certain book, right? And so, and you, can, and you can, that's where associations come from, right? You know, you can have, you can do, you can put an association with a stick of gum, right? And that certain flavor of that stick of gum can be your anchor, Right, and that's the, the anchor of feeling good, right? And that's what you use. So there's, they'll give yourself positive things. That's would be my my piece of advice. Give yourself positive anchors or positive things that you associate with, and do those things when you're feeling negative or feeling a certain way.
1: I mean, you can change the
2: outcome and
1: re-anchor something, can you? Like any kind of emotion. Of course. I learned this some... about the experience you have with it. Exactly. That's where I was leading it to. So that's a whole other different tactic. One whole other different technique is leading I and mean, lead the conversation and go a certain way. And I know that this is a lot probably to hear from the listeners because it's, it's so much information. And I think that's one of the reasons why we receive so much fulfillment from the messages, Wes, that we get. I know that we're telling people things that they may or may not have heard before. But the detail that we're going through it and the level of conviction and showing you the how is different understand this. Your brain and you as a person send you messages. Your brain sends you messages all day and is optimized to conserve energy. So stop wasting your time on things that you get zero outcome for. When I hear, I hear people all the time in, and it's everything they do is just (laughs) self-inflicted. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're asking for it. You're asking to get cheated on. I had this a, a friend of mine. He was like, I don't know, man, my, my wife keeps cheating on me. I was like, you keep accepting her back. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that it, shit will stop. If you just, if you divorced her, I said, but he was like, well, I don't know why she does it. Maybe it's just, it comes from her family. I said, perhaps, but it also comes from the conditioning and it comes from how you framed what your life, you want you, what your life you're trying to live, what you're willing to accept. Exactly. Your standards. It's how you frame the whole conversation. It's how you frame the whole relationship. The wife that I have today would have never been in my life if I didn't learn how to appreciate the small things. She needs probably need to hear it more. And I'm trying to paint a picture here. Is that me understanding how she operates as a human being and her personality increases our connection and our marriage. You know what I mean? And it chances for to succeeding in life. You see what I'm saying? Like because you have a happy home, you have a happy life. So one of the oldest sayings in forever, happy wife, happy life. And did you hear a lot of negative people like no one married is happy. That's bullshit. Right. I don't believe that could be true because I'm happy. I mean, there's times where things are a little bit more challenging, but it's me being able to anchor and frame, it's helped me to understand that. Like, so say for instance, I used to be have a fear of flying. Okay. So, and it wasn't really the fear of flying. It was the fear of me dying. <laughs> like it's, it's, right. You know, or me feeling that feeling of, of not being in control was where it was coming from. I had to figure out where it was coming, you know, stem of it. So what I try to do is I try to associate myself or wherever I'm going and, and imagine in my mind as I'm on the plane. So then I, re- I removed the frame. I set the frame of thinking about the emotion that I'm going to receive the, you know, feel when I get to where I'm going. Right. That's a huge exactly. thing for myself.
2: Huge. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one. <laughs> I have to learn that too. Like, cause I have a nat- natural fear as well. And, uh, imagine this, I was about to get on a flight and this wasn't too long ago. I was about to get on a flight and, um, you know, and you, you know, they have different channels on the plane and all that. And so, I stuck it on a discovery channel and of course the one thing that they have on there that day is uh, a documentary about plane crash. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like you got to be kidding me like, all the things. Is this is seriously what you have right now? And uh, so I was framing like crazy and <laughs> that day, you know, and I was just like that and that, that's a huge piece, right? It's controlling your emotion because mm-hmm. I can't control the the outcome because i'm in i'm in a, a space that i cannot control i'm in an environment that i physically cannot control mm-hmm. right unless maybe i put a parachute on or something those things would help but like but like i can't truly control it and so the only thing i can control then is my emotion mm-hmm. and so when you have you can't force your buyer to buy you can't force your client to buy but you can you can't control them right but you can control their emotion and that's why framing is so important right Say for instance,
1: if I, you had to put me in a room where I couldn't get out of, I would lose my shit because I'll feel stuck. Can you identify what that would do for someone like myself as addicted to growth and feeling stuck? What do you think that does for me?
2: I mean, one, I think, well, for me personally, but I think it would drive you nuts. I think it would drive you crazy.
1: And what if I wasn't trying to open a door right? You see what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. Just think about that for a second.
1: I mean, this is important. Like, so if I'm stuck in a room, I feel like I'm stuck. I would have anxiety. I would freak out. I would, it's not about me being stuck in a room. It's about me not being able to control <laughs> a situation right. or control my life. Right. Cause that's, that's how I live my life is I try to always strive for, you know, excellence and, and strive for perfection, but I can't really obviously achieve that. Do you see how that's important for me though? Like I need to feel in yeah. control. Of my life. And a lot of people in the world never take control of their life. Like everyone in this world has an opportunity, Wes. And I feel this way to write the book of their life. And they're not even writing in their own book. Every chapter, you can have a different author or a different perspective or a different feeling or a different whatever. There's chapters in my life, Wes, that I'm not going to like, I'd be happy to stand in front of a room and reading, but I'm still going to do it because I'm authentic. It's part of, it's part of right. what let me here. Led me here. It helps me be able to be grateful for the life that I do have now because all the shit that I had to like overcome.
2: Right. Yeah. What, that's, hmm. that's, that's a huge piece. I mean, well, I would advise people as well based off of that is that you have to reframe your definition of control or the way you see mm-hmm. control, right? Some people like, but some people think that if they want to control their life. They need their perception of stability. Right. And that is the furthest thing from the truth, right? So redefine and reframe how you see control and start acting on it in such a way that's going to lead to the ideal outcome that you're searching for. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to a decision that says, I will not accept anything less. It has to start with that. I will not accept anything less and I will always strive for more and I will strive for X, right? So that's my advice to anybody is start to really implement that type of philosophy because you will start to realize how limited you've truly been.
1: And, And everyone's probably thinking like, God, this is deeper than, you know, talking about anchoring and framing and, and going into, you know, mirroring matching. And I know that we talked about competitive advantage and having that first call, but do you, I hope everyone out there is listening to, and what we're trying to communicate has zero to do with questions that you need to ask and scripts and protocol. Me making a choice and a decision a long time ago to be able to master my craft changed my life. So you're probably thinking right now, if you're in sales, like I really don't like sales or I really want to sell, but it's fine, What I don't give a shit if it's in freaking customer service. You just got to find whatever you like and enjoy the most out of life, figure out how you can make it easier for everybody else around you. Then find a way to be able to work on those skill sets to be able to maximize that possibility. That's it. Game over. You win. It's <laughs> one thing I won't live with, Wes, is regret, man. I'm not gonna live with that yeah. shit.
2: I, I yeah. and only go to things that you know. Only go after things that pull you. Mm-hmm. Never go after things that you have to push. You know, I mean, things should push you because you're pulled towards them. All right. I hope that makes sense. But if you have to force yourself. It's that's game over for you because it's not going to, that's not going to work, right? But if it pulls you and you have a natural, uh, like you have a natural passion for it or something that a natural drive for it, then you're going to care enough to do all of this, right? But if you find yourself that you're not, that you don't care, of course, you want to work on yourself and develop yourself and, and start tackling those limiting beliefs, but also ask yourself, is what I'm doing in alignment right, with what, where I'm trying to go? And it's funny because it's so simple, yet people make it so complex. Hmm. But truly, it comes down to it, you make a choice, right? And you decide what you're going to do, and then you don't turn back, and you don't compromise. That's the biggest one. People may start, but they never finish, right? And you have to—you never compromise your values and what you truly want out of life for short-term thinking or be, because you're being short-sighted. Right. right. People fall in love with the money. All right, and I made a decision a long time ago that I was going to be broke for a very long time monetarily, broke very long time to be very wealthy. Right, that was my choice because I said that is going to be the way. The long game is going to be the way that I'm going to be truly happy in what I want to be. Right, and which is uh, ultimately an investor. Right, and and but that was my choice, and I've never compromised for it. Right, I've never looked at. Oh, I have a little bit of extra money now. Maybe I can go do something with it. No, I have a little bit of extra money now. I can invest it. All right, so y- you have to truly understand what you want and don't compromise for anything less.
1: Right, it's a law of attraction. I mean, I know that a lot of people don't believe in that. Um, I do, and this could, and this is very personal for myself. I struggle with that because I've been a fighter my whole life, my whole life, Wes. My family It's just the culture of my family. It's just the environment. You know, it's just that we've always had to fight. My sister, you know, we go to my sister, my dad working two to three jobs to be able to support, you know, putting her and getting make sure she had the care. You have, you know, my mom having eight back surgeries, you know, me going through life in, in the military, me, you know, even afterwards, and me struggling with my internal turtle battles, that, you know, things that I had to overcome. But it, what it was is that life was pretty much telling me and the universe was telling me that I needed to fix some things internally before I moved on. So I started removing all the traumatic experience of my life and viewing as where's the lesson from this happening? How can I prevent this from happening moving forward? How can I be at peace with it? This goes back to just me trying to figure out what I want to do in life. If you want to be an employee and go trade your time for money, congratulations. But if you're happy, God bless you. But it's not about what I want. I have no choice. I have no reason not to be great. I would be a failure in life if I didn't succeed on the type of level that I'm trying to. With my sister and my mom going through all that shit, my dad working as hard as he does and in going through all that shit, there's no reason why I can't be successful. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I got no choice. Like I would be ashamed of myself. So that's what drives. That's a huge driving force for me.
2: And now and to, to to kind of take this back to when we're framing and anchoring and all that as if if for for you chris if i was to touch on those points right those pain points right and and is that going to my question is is that going to persuade you to want to do more of what i'm asking you to do if i am using that as leverage if you use it properly yes absolutely right absolutely right. Well, exactly the keyword properly Absolutely. And so, but that's because not because I'm trying to manipulate, but that's because I'm trying to truly identify what you care about the most. Mm-hmm. Right. And that is what's going to drive you because my goal is to, is to drive you. Right. And because, and, and if you think of any of this as manipulation, then you truly don't believe in what you do. Right. Right. Because if you truly believe in what you do, then you know you're trying to help someone. So, yes, I will drive you as hard as I need to in order to get you to, to do what I'm telling you to do because I truly know. Based off of my experience, that this is going to be the best for you. Mm -hmm. And so, so as as a salesperson, you need to start understanding these things and being able to drive people to their core, right? And then work them back out and drive them to where they need to go before, if if you truly want the lowest level of resistance, right? That's the only way the truest level of resistance is achieved. Everyone's
1: the driver of their own life and everyone's. Either when they're a salesperson, I view sales as your your job is to drive them to success. That's your job. Or at least see things in a new way of looking at it. Changing in the a narrative. There's so many different angles and ways that we can help people and try to communicate on these calls and these podcasts, Wes. But until someone actually feels... Whatever feeling they have inside themselves and how they talk to themselves, then they'll start identifying who they really are. And you'll just start discovering a lot of talents you never thought you'd ever have. The feelings like, and I'm going to get real personal here, feeling of being vulnerable, I struggle with because I felt like years ago when my sister passed away and she was my best friend, you know, like I didn't know. Like when I was a kid and I grew up in the same crib with her, I didn't know nothing was you know, physically wrong with her. She was physically handicapped. I didn't know nothing was wrong with her. But that connection when we were kids changed you know, everything for me. Because when she passed away, I felt like a part of me died. Yeah. It, it, it bothered me for years. And I think that me kind of communicating this in the best way I know how, forgive me if I'm not really staying on point with the framing, but I'm going to prove something to you. And how impactful for that was for me when I realized that how to take what happened to me and remove and use that as my power, my driving force, it changed the changed everything for me. But then now that what I've gotten to the point to where this is the this is the thing that can scare you and it scares me, is that I need to sit back and realize that I won. And a lot of times when I'm coaching people or I'm training companies and and I'm doing a lot in, in, in business or investing or whatever I'm doing, podcast. I view it as a way of therapy for myself, Wes. I don't call me crazy, but it's a way of therapy, kind of voicing and and getting it off my chest. Because if that helps someone, God bless, so be it. Great. But the vulnerable side is what I struggle with. I need to sit back and realize that I won. And it's hard for me to be idle. Very difficult for me to be idle. I have to force myself to relax on a weekend, Wes. Yeah fucking force myself you yeah. know like what my mom would tell you when my, my mom's listening to this hey i love you mom but <laughs> i don't know if she listens to my stuff but she probably would probably laugh because <laughs> she heard me say that but my mom would tell she tells stories to people you know like everyone has their own stories they tell people right about you know their kids but one of the stories that i often hear from her is that he was like that when he was a kid when he was a baby When he very first learned to walk, he didn't walk, he ran everywhere. Like I would, my foot hit the ground in the morning. I was running. I've been running my whole life, but now I'm not, I'm now I'm running in a different direction. I'm not running from life. I'm running to it. That's a whole different way of looking at life. It's, it's having a purpose. You're going to run faster. The dog was chasing you and run faster, wouldn't you? you <laughs> just right. dogs. I mean, some people turn around, you know what I mean? Like, hey, why are you chasing me? Stop, relax. But it's, it's changing your perspective, changing everything. It's a frame. So, my frame in life has everything to do with my standards and the way that I want to live my life. What's my competitive advantage is I've learned over the years and not accept anything less than the best for myself at all times. Not just during the week, motherfuckers. At all times. Everyone has weak moments. There's things that I go to set out and do and I fail. But I try to look for the opportunities rather than seeing it as a failure. It's a setback. Everyone slips. Everyone has weak moments, man. Me learning how to frame and anchor taught me so much about life in general. And the fulfillment is what, you know what keeps bringing me back to do what I do every day. Am I the only crazy person here? I mean, do you have similar feelings about trying to be idle and not work as hard as you do?
2: No, I'm 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 the same exact way. That's actually one of my biggest fears. Idle, idle is one of my biggest fears because I don't know, and this is also personal for me. I don't know where my mind would wander, if if I am idle. I I don't know what I would do with myself if I was idle. I, I'm always chasing, right? And that's because I have something to chase. I have a bigger purpose. Right. Right. And, and the same way as you, I mean, and, and I know a lot of it comes back to your upbringing, right? And because my upbringing was very, um, you know, similar in the sense of we were always, we were always moving. We were always going. It was, we're always chasing, and this is a big one. We were always chasing money, right? Because there was never enough of it, right? Because we, we needed it to live, right? So, that, that right there, you know, that's what grew my work ethic. It didn't grow my mindset the right way, but it grew my work ethic. Mm. Right. And then when I started to learn, you know, the principles of money and how I'm looking at it, I stopped it. I stopped chasing it because I knew how harmful it actually was. Right. So, but for me, my, my purpose and where I'm trying to get to is so important to me that I fear that I, I fear that unless like, and I don't mean to be morbid, but unless I'm dead, I fear not being able to get to it. Hmm. Right? I fear not being able to, to get to that, you know, the, the, the point in which I see myself right, or the goal that I have set out for myself. So I'm always, always going. And sometimes it's not healthy because the same way as you have to force myself to relax. What's well, one thing and talk to anybody that knows me, they'll tell you that about me, right? That I, I struggle with relaxing. Right. If you put, if you sit me down and tell me to relax, I will pretend like I'm relaxing, but really I'm I'm calculating a bunch me of things too. in my head. Me
1: too. Right. So so fucking so similar so, with that.
2: Like if someone right. tells me to so, relax,
1: I don't like being told what to do, and I'm sitting there the whole time right. thinking about what I can do.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And and even like when I'm putting my daughter to bed, I told you this the other day. I sit there and get excited because it's some time to myself that I can sit there and think about and strategize of what I need to do. And again, going back to the frame or going back to perception. Right, going back to your to how you perceive something, I used to perceive that as a negative, right? that I didn't know how to relax. But then I started to realize something. I'm like, it's not that what I do stresses me out. It's not that me working the way I do stresses me out. I enjoy it. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm very passionate about what I do. And so I stopped looking at it as a negative and I started looking at it as a positive. And funny enough, when I started looking at it as a positive, I, I was more relaxed. Not because I was relaxing, I was more relaxed right? because now I'm viewing it from a different lens.
1: Listen up, everyone. That brings it to the conclusion of anchoring and framing. I know that part one and part two gave you a lot to think about as a salesperson, business person, sales leader. It doesn't matter. Like I said before, I believe everything we do involves sales. Either you're selling someone on an opportunity or you're selling someone to view things the way that you're viewing it. Think about the prospective buyer in this situation. What are they going through? What led them to meeting with you? If you are a salesperson and how to approach that call, your number one objective is to get them to relax. Relax. I am here. I am not judging you. I'm here to help you. As a creator of multiple programs, my role led me to creating programs that actually solve real-life problems. You're going to be able to cultivate the right message and the right program to fit the prospective buyers, to put them at ease, to provide enough clarity that they can achieve anything they set out to do. As mentioned before, we want to receive as much feedback from our listeners as we possibly can. So visit us on tcrconsultingagency.com website, Look for the podcast and submit any kind of questions, comments, concerns you may have. On the next episode, we're going to go where a lot of sales trainers don't go. With teaching people how to manage their pipeline built around their strengths and weaknesses to serve as many clients as you possibly can, I truly hope everyone is ready to actually learn how to multiply their efforts into massive returns. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. So keep moving, keep growing, keep learning, guys. Hope you got tons of value from this. Let's go win our day. Take care.
0: Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of the win-win effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.